Hello everybody, uh, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And we've just come back from the new Avengers film, uh, Avengers Infinity Wars. Infinity War. Yes. Uh, I've seen this for the second time. This time I saw it with Mike in IMAX 3D. Um, my first impression was that um, it had a good jokes and it had a few good performances, but it wasn't much to speak of. And actually kind of, you know, I, I, on Twitter, kind of people were so complimentary and I thought it was kind of cretinous, really, that, you know, kind of you... you what are you comparing it with that you 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 can be so critic uncritically worshipful of it? <laughs> um, and this time, I kind of I was I was bored witless, and I was kind of almost angry or annoyed because you know the thing about the three D is it makes everything so dark, and I it to me it felt a little bit like watching, you know watching like a great Blu-ray, but watching it on 320, you know, megabytes <laughs> version, right. right? That's how it felt like watching the iMac. Anyway, I just hate it. Um, so it's interesting to think about points of comparison, because uh, I was thinking about, ha has anything uh, been this anticipated before? Has any movie been this anticipated? I was thinking of maybe the Matrix sequels, but not quite. Um, oh, yes, there are Avatar. Many things. I think the only thing that really comes close to the level of anticipation of this film is uh, when Star Wars came back. Well, that was the first thing that came to mind. Probably both times Star Wars came back, actually, 99 and whenever it was, 2012 or whatever. Yeah, but I, I mean, was this really so anticipated? Because my feeling I, is, you know, you have one every three months or every six months. I mean, that's true. I think it has been, been, but I think it's built up a level of. There's a level of investment in the story and in the characters that bringing them all together... Remember when the first Avengers came out in, I think, 2012? Um, and, you know, that had been, like, whatever it was, the phase one thing of Marvel's huge world domination plan. And so they'd had, like, Iron Man and Thor and they'd, they'd Hulk. They'd, they'd created these characters and they'd introduced them. And it was a very, very big deal that they were coming together as a team. Um, and it was quite hotly anticipated, and in this one, it's you know, it's it's ramped up so much more. There are so many people to bring together and marshalling this huge array of stars. Mind you, I think in a way it does that quite well. You know, it kind of it does bring them all together. It does kind of give them each individual moments, some more than others. Um, you know, the kind of the parallel editing kind of thing that it does, so that you're seeing part of one story and then you move on yeah. to part of another part of another I kind of I thought that was all quite well except some of the things were just dreary beyond belief to me it juggles characters very well actually I think yeah. it's actually quite elegant filmmaking the Russos who directed it are really good at this and they seem to have become the sort of de facto people in charge of the Avengers now it was Joss Whedon for a little bit um, and I think they do a really good job here of just juggling everything and actually uh, making a reasonably visually appealing uh, and, and kind of coherent film. I think there's a little too much shaky camera points for me, especially on the massive, massive screen. It sometimes gets too much. Uh, but I, go on. Almost the only thing I liked about it was the you know the way that it did kind of bring in all of these characters together in a way that made sense, and the way that it had moments of humor. It was really funny, or not. You know, it wasn't ha ha, but. 
you know, kind of there were moments that were really funny and the audience responded to it. So, you know, I think the humor in the film and, you know, kind of bringing out the humor within this really diverse set of characters where you were always clear on, you know, where you were and who was who and what was going on, I think in a way that's an achievement. You know, so it might just be that I hate... I hate what... Um, okay, what I hate is that the, the characters actually don't make sense together, first of all. You know, you have kind of Captain America and the Black Widow, you know, uh, and you're, you're, you're kind of making them comparable to somebody who's got the power of an infinity stone behind them, to Doctor Strange, who can cut through different dimensions, or, you know, to, to, to the, 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 the witch. This is something that I was going to you know, bring up as well. It I, just drives me crazy. It's a very clear... So I, I suppose we should say that there are spoilers coming up. I mean, there's, there's not much to set up other than to say this big evil dude, Thanos, a uh, CGI character played by uh, Josh Brolin, mm. um, wants to take over the universe, wants to decimate the universe, wants to, wants to destroy half of it. Because he's, he's like an evil conservationist, or he's like, kill half their numbers and the rest will thrive, or some fucking stupid thing like that. He's one of these villains that believes he's right, which I was saying when we saw Rampage, I like the fact that they were kind of Rocky and Bullwinkle villains. Yes. They were just like, ooh, good evil plan. <laughs> Whereas he's, he's much more of a, no, 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 I have an ideology type. Yes. Um, and, uh, and he needs to get hold of these six Infinity Stones, which are these kind of small gems, these artifacts that have been mentioned and brought up in uh, the previous films. Uh, if you if you can marshal them all and put them into this big metal glove yes. gauntlet, then uh, he he can it, each each stone that he uh, obtains gives him powers over a certain sort of dimensional domain of the universe. That's right. And altogether, time and space, and time and space, reality, yeah. soul, which they really explain, mind and something mm. else, and um, and then you know all of them together gives would give him the ability to. Just to be a god, be a god, and and in control of the universe, and and do the thing that he wants to do, which is kill everyone, because apparently that will kill half people, because that restores balance. That's this thing of balance. Yes, that that I suppose is is, and so basically the whole film is a huge fight. I mean, there's very little by way of sort of um, the plot sort of changing direction. It all goes in one direction, which is they are all attacking Thanos at once in lots the, of different places. The fights are endless and endlessly repetitive. And there's nothing at stake in them. I felt nothing. I didn't quite feel that. I thought actually the, some of the action was very well staged and well directed. And I think that there were stakes. Uh, this is actually one. So this is. So let's say that is uh, spoiler-free territory done. We will now get into anything we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so thinking about stakes, what I knew of this film before going in was that it was one half of a two-part. Uh, uh, you know, brace. Yes, I, I didn't even know that. Um, I, as I understood it, this was Infinity War Part 1, and there would be Part 2, but I think they're going to give the second film a different name. Okay. That's coming out next year. So there was this interesting conflict in in that you have a Marvel series, which has been going for 10 years now, Iron Man was 2008. Yes. Um, and it's, as you say, like, it's a film every six months. It's endless, right? So, but all the advertising around this is going... This is it. This is the end. The fate of the universe finally rests, you know. Um, and even then, like it's, it's it's not the end. It's not even the end of the fucking two part film series. Yes. So you go. This is the end. But come back next year for the next bit. Um, so that's that's. It's tricky to sort of. I you get the feeling that this is going to be complete placeholder stuff. When when films are done in two parts, you tend to get this feeling. 
And even more so with trilogies, where the second film usually has just nothing to But this to is even worse because, you know, and I think now that we're in spoiler-free territory, I can say that half of the heroes in this film die. Right? Yeah, so Thanos actually achieves his goal. He manages to get all the stones together, and he immediately does it, and just half, at random, half the characters crumble into dust, yeah. literally. So, and Which you is know very, that, very effective. Well, I don't find it effective because actually you know that it's temporary that in the next part they will all come back. But do you? I do. How? I can... Because well, what, 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 this is what I was going to bring up. Usually these films have a placeholder feel and I was really, really expecting that. But um, one of the things that's really important, one of the characters who dies that is really important at the end is Doctor Strange because he's the one who can turn back time. And that he's gone means that there's a real feeling of permanence to these characters' well, deaths. Well, I, I, to me it doesn't feel, because actually the moment where he lost uh, the thing of Agape or whatever it's called. the Time stone. Yeah, the stone that he carries, you know, on his way over, like, you know, as the stone moved, you know, you got the sense that he put a spell on it or something. So, <laughs> and in, in any case, you just know that, you know, each of these characters are so financially viable to, you know, this huge multinational corporation that they're just not going to throw them away. So, so actually, you know... Perhaps, you... but there's also an element of when, when you realise, when you f- actually see these characters starting to die, you can tell ahead of time who's going to die and who isn't based on their... You know, it's, it's from each according to his place in the plot to each according to his salary. You know, well, the... I mean, all the minor characters... Actually, most of the minor characters are the ones who die. Um... Doctor That's not Str- true. Black Panther dies. I was going to say, main, yeah, Black Panther dies, which is quite surprising. Yes. I really didn't expect that. Black Panther's gone, um, and Doctor Strange is gone, which are two main characters. And yes. as I say, Doctor Strange is important because of the time thing. There will be a sequel to Doctor Strange. I'm sure a sequel is already underway. He's just too big a character. But I, but I would have said that about Black Panther too. Uh, of course he is. It's, it's interesting. So, so it's curious that. Basically, it feels like much bigger changes are underway than I expected. No, I don't know, because one of the things you saw in this film is that uh, Thanos reversed time. And actually, that's kind of, you know, one of the comic book things anyway. You could reverse time. Yeah. So if somehow time is managed to be reversed, then you just go back to five minutes before this all happened, make a change, and everything's back to normal. Right. And but equilibrium it, is restored. So the story, but the story really requires Thanos to do this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next okay, time, it, if that's okay. part of it. You know, I cannot. I can guarantee that it'll happen. Okay. You know, so. Uh, but but but. I'm not so sure. It does fit. Okay. It, it, well, put it put it this way. It feels like more of an ending than I expected. Okay. Well, for me, it kind of. Um, I mean, it's an ending, uh, but I just didn't feel. So so I had this I had this discussion with a friend, about you know you have to judge films on their own merits and. You know, you can't compare this film with Ozu or something, <laughs> you know. But on the other hand, there are things that you can ask of it. So, you know, you can say, well, was it moving? To me, no, it wasn't moving. You know, was it exciting? To me, it wasn't exciting. Like, none of the action sequences made my pulse kind of uh, race, um, you know, the way that <coughs> other films uh, uh, have done. Um, and... You know, kind of, were there moments of beauty in it, either through mise-en-scene or through action or, you know, kind of were there poetic moments? And my answer to all of that is no, I didn't feel anything. And actually the second time, 
it was less than I didn't feel anything. You know, I just felt like kind of like collapsing. I was so dull. I, I feel like it, the film... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel that way on my first viewing, right. to be fair. Um, I, I feel like the film is not quite as soulless as that suggests. I think the film has sort of love for its characters, um, but uh, th- there, are, there are central kind of uh, love stories within it. Uh, not necessarily romantic, you know, also familial love, that didn't... Uh, affect me at all there's, no. there's Thanos and his daughter Gamora you were meant to be moved you are meant to be wasn't. very very moved and yes. I didn't care a bit a bit throw around um, the there's also, there's also uh, <laughs> Quill Star-Lord and Gamora they're yes. in love and it that, again felt nothing, nothing. Uh, the Vision and the, oh Vision and the, the Scarlet Witch and the Scarlet Witch that was that worked a bit better though actually it also didn't work as well as it should have yeah so they're trying to bring in sort of <clears throat> things of sacrifice there's also a little bit of Iron Man and Pepper Potts yeah a little bit yes um, I think they should have right been a part of the series she brings well they should have shown her dissolving at the end shouldn't they but. yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah none of that worked for me but maybe that's just if you have a level of investment already it will work better for you yes. they didn't for me there was a moment about, I don't know, I don't know when Beyonce did the Super Bowl thing, right? <laughs> but, you know, I love her, and she's got a very soulful voice, and she, you know, she's very brilliant. Anyway, I love her. But she appeared in this show, and it was like a fucking military march, right? Like, you know, there was huge formations of people, and they were doing, like, you know, these very militaristic movements, and... You know, and I thought, this is like a real commentary on contemporary American culture, right? Yeah, an indictment of it, right? This is kind of, you know, entertainment for the nation, and, like, it all has to be huge, and it all has to be loud, and, you know, and yeah, and kind of all artistry and, and nuance and love is lost amidst all these explosions and militaristic formations. Mm. And I think there's an element of, of that in this film for me. It's like mm. battle after battle after battle, Millions of things get destroyed, you know, like entire planets and, you know, cities and, you know, and, th- and there seems to be nothing at stake, right? Like kind yeah. of, you know, and, and I just kind of, I just didn't care. You know? Yeah, I'm going to say the complaint that you made uh, about Rampage um, strikes me as much more, it hits home much more in this. Right. Um, I mean, this is, you know, Rampage, I think, is, has a level of awareness of its own silliness yes. that protects it. And it also does do that thing of saying, oh, we, we are getting everybody out um, uh, of the city or we're trying to at least um, whereas this is kind of it, it, I feel like it does actually have a level of threat that that Thanos is so powerful he can attack anywhere anytime and cause huge levels of destruction which is a, which is does create a, a certain level of threat that is that uh, you know feels sort of uh, appropriate and feels realistic almost mm. um, but it is so huge and loud and vast he, at one point he just you know, points at a planet and it crumbles and then he starts firing it at Iron Man. It's just, he fires a fucking planet at, at Iron, Iron Man. Man. And you think, like, <laughs> this is where all sense of proportion has gone. Yes. And just to go back to people's powers, right? Like, you know, Spider-Man is meant to be a teenage kid who's got the proportional awareness and strength of a spider, right? So, yes, you know, he might be able to, like, deal with a tank, or, you know, or yeah. maybe a rocket. You know, but not with a god, right? Like yeah. He's earthbound. Yes. 
And 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 that applies to almost all of them. So you, for example, you can see Black Panther fighting with Captain America or the Scarlet Witch, or yeah. But then when you're dealing with Doctor Strange and who Thanos, just has access to spells and dimensions, yeah, that's right. You know, who can conjure up entire worlds. Thor is a god. Thor is a god. A literal god. You know, so I mean, these are, these have always been unwieldy sort of. Uh, it, it's always it's always felt unbalanced. In that respect, you think like Iron Man is a guy who has a lot of money and a lot of technology, but Thor is literally a god. How are these coexisting That's in, right. in this I mean, way? Iron Man is a, is, a, is a suit that can fly and that, you know, historically yeah. protects in the way that armor does. You know, but like fighting a god, <laughs> it just makes no sense. And actually when Spider-Man was, you know, putting his little webs on <laughs> Thanos... I mean, you think, you've got to be kidding, right? Like, <laughs> like, you know, so he's just fired a planet and you're putting your little web on, on his yeah. hand. Like, there, are, there are elements, it's rather like what we were saying about well, Justice League. Yeah. It was like in Justice League where we were saying that like, basically the film has to put Batman, uh, put Superman in like a, a death coma to keep him out of the story because once he comes back, he can just do everything the other members of the Justice League can and so much better. There's no balance there. Yes. Actually, Justice League was more more sort of believable in that sense because it didn't really try to make Superman the equal of the others. It was yes. quite clear that he was superior. Whereas in this, you've got Thanos, who his reality stone, right, means that he can just change shit. He can turn people into sort of like ribbons of carpet. Yes. He can, he can you know, kind of break them into stones. He can do anything just by thinking it with this stone. So, like, at that point... He has just won. He should have. Yeah. He could just go anywhere and just do what he likes, and that's it. You can't the, stop him. The film but the make fi- sense. But the film has to sort of n- make him not do that because otherwise he wins way too easily. Yeah. I mean, for me, the film had a few good jokes and it had a few good images, a few memorable images. The image of Thor opening up the forge, or what you just said about you know uh, characters uh, breaking into stone, into ribbons. Yeah. You know, and things like that. Like all of that was wonderful. You know, but the last film, the last Marvel film that I've seen uh, is Black Panther, which is a truly great film. Yeah, it's a film about ideas. Like, every time you saw it, you know, you saw something different in it. Every, every time I read something on the film, it made me revisit it. And, yes. you know, it's like, you know, kind of, you know, the film, it's almost it's like it opened up worlds of thought and experience for you. And this is just like, you know... It's a few good jokes and a couple of interesting images. It's so vastly inferior to a film like Black Panther that it makes one cry, kind of, you know, um, yeah. the current context, really. Cause, I mean, when you... You go Because it seems to me that people can't tell the difference between something truly great, like Black Panther. I mean, we're, we're now talking just about comic book films, right? But Black Panther is truly great. This is like a trifle. You know, I'm trying to find out ideas. Mm. What are they working with? What are they trying to convey? You know, what does it mean? And I just can't can't dig anything up. Yeah, and I'm very wary of actually dismissing it because when we saw Thor Ragnarok, um, I think we were too dismissive. There were things that we missed. There were, there was, there were elements of the film was actually talking about colonialism and, and the way that um, sort of imperialist regimes paint over their histories to make them look better. 
and to, okay, to, well, to absorb himself the scene. Right, I mean, do you remember the thing with the seat that the um, when the sister returns, yes. the Kate Blanchett character returns, and she reveals that this great painting on the scene, the Sistine Chapel type of painting that's about uh, Ragnarok, not Ragnarok, uh, whatever, the mm. Thor homeworld's past, Asgard. Um, it's actually like it's she kind of reveals something about this painting that shows now we have a much dirtier past than this. Oh, I, I remember. Remember that. that. Yeah. So, I'm, and that's something that we basically missed the first time. Yeah, yeah. It took revisiting it to to realize that it was it was approaching a quite interesting sure. idea there, and so I'm wary of doing that with this, but. It's, I'm not. It really is this basic. Yeah. It's just you might say that it's trying to get ideas of sacrifice. What what like giant superhero film isn't? Yes. Yeah. I mean, sacrifice is the only way they really generate any threat. Yes. It's to say you might lose your favorite characters. Yes. <sighs> um. I mean, for me, you know, I have I really have now seen it twice. Um, and you know, so maybe I'm a dummy and I miss things twice. Uh, and that's certainly a possibility, you know, but I love these types of films. I kind of, I look forward to them. I enjoy them. And, and, and like I said, you know, I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. The first time I saw it, I, you know, I did enjoy the jokes. I, I think Chris Hemsworth gives a very funny performance. You know, I like the raccoon very much. I actually think, you know, the actor who plays Spider-Man you know, has has a wonderful moment, you know, where he's kind of being turned into rock and, you know, you, you get the sense of a kid and a kid who's suffering. Like, you know, there are, you know, it, it's it's not kind of undiluted crap, right? No, no. Like, it, you know, it definitely has... I think there's lots to enjoy. I think the, the story is, is well told. And as I say, I, the word elegant does come to mind. I don't think ah. it's, I don't think it's kind of, kind of... Transformers type filmmaking, you know, there is actual craft. Well, that is the nadir. Of course, <laughs> yeah. and that's why I bring that up. So yeah, yeah that is the ultimate low point for, yeah. for for cinema. But and and this is nowhere near that. There is actual craft here, and I think I, I think it is kind of uh, a visually well told story. As you say, the way it juggles stories and the way it brings you between them and 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 develops these different storylines at the same time is accomplished. Okay, let's go through a list characters yeah and kind of you know tell me who achieved something or, or what was achieved through this character and where people were completely wasted achieved in what sense well you know plot wise I mean, automatically or well you have these huge huge stars now right mm -hmm. kind of what use did the film make of them you know e even in character no I mean that, that is absolutely true like these, these are these are characters and stars being thrown at something that you haven't even got time to think about. It's like the film. The film's two and a half hours long as it is. Yes. And I actually, I don't think it's over long. It's so stuffed. But, um, but there is there is kind of such a huge fight that you don't have time for anything sort of interactive. I mean, even like even um, you certainly don't have time for anything on the level of the 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 allegory. Um, of Black Panther or Thor Ragnarok, or even something like Civ uh, Civil War, the Captain I, I America. Love Civil, War. Civil War had this whole thing about um, about whether we are overpowers, you know, yes. whether the Avengers that is, whether we are, you know, uh, whether we should be reined in, whether we are too powerful. Yes. Which wasn't subtextual at all. It was like that was literally Iron Man and Captain America having that argument with each other. Yes. Um, and th there's no room for anything even like on the surface like no. that in this. And, and I did think, like, you know, I love Scarlett Johansson, and I love the character of the Black Widow. 
though, you know, and I remember reading the comic books of the Black Widow, the Black Widow inhabited a noir world, right? A, a world of spies and dark cities and alleyways. And, you know, the, the people that she appeared with, you know, kind of were also people like Daredevil, right? Like, mm. you know, um, so here in this mega god fight, like, she's wasted. She doesn't even get a few good lines or a good reaction or even a character moment, no. right? Like, she gets nothing. You know, well, she gets answer. she gets to say hello to Bruce Banner. They yeah. have, they they, they share reports, don't I mean, they? <laughs> I mean, you know, Scarlett Johansson is arguably you know one of the top female stars oh. in the world at the moment. It's not arguable, is it? Yeah, and she's she's wasted, right? Like because she's given nothing. It's kind of and actually, I think there's an element of misogyny in, in this film for those reasons. Yeah, like, I mean, how, there's, how there's, can you not make more better use of Scarlett Johansson? Well, there's certainly an element of. Um, a lot of the fight takes place in space and between planets and so there's this thing of um, ha- actually putting characters in place so like Iron Man anyone who's a god or magic can go to another planet if they yeah. want that's fine uh, Iron Man can because he's got a suit and he provides one for Spider-Man who's sort of with him now you'd think that there would also be a way of providing one for Scarlett Johansson's character as well because she's just as human as Spider-Man yeah, Iron Man but why, do, why, do, why doesn't she get a look in she's sort of part of Captain America's gang and they go to Wakanda and Hang out there. I, I, and actually, you know, one of the things that I thought is you've made this great, great movie. You, you've established Wakanda as this magical, uh, fictional universe where all of these fantastic things can happen. And then you fucking waste, throw all of that away for this? I mean... Yeah, I mean, what I thought it was disgraceful what they did with Wakanda in this film. What's made of Wakanda is, is just the shield. It's just it's a hidden place, except it's not hidden because uh, Thanos knows about it and it's got a shield. And again, this is one, uh, when when Thanos's army was uh, you know attacking the shield, um, I guess you know Thanos at that point was off in the somewhere else trying to. I think he was maybe trying to get the time stone at that point, so he's off in space fighting Iron Man and Doctor Strange. But, he's but you got, think he's you think why doesn't he just go there? I mean he. For one thing, people in this movie uh, travel very, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have no sense of sort of how far away these places are because people just go between planets like nothing. So you think, well, at this point, like Thanos, if he wants, can just make reality how he likes it. Why don't he just open the fucking shield, shield, <laughs> and and then just and then just like turn everyone into ribbons? I mean, exactly. it, he's so ridiculously overpowered. I mean, it makes you very a, silly. You'd think a god would be able to multitask. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, uh, so in that sense, there is real placeholder stuff because they've made this one character so ridiculously um, powerful that literally anything he does that isn't immediate genocide seems like he's underutilizing his skills. Yes. You know? Which is very silly. Yeah, so anyway, I think maybe it's time really that we can wrap it up really. So, I mean, my view, to be fair, you know, the first time I saw it, I quite enjoyed it for the reasons that I said. I, you know, I loved Chris Hemsworth. Actually, I like Benedict Cumberbatch very much. Tom Holland as Spider-Man had a few good moments. I thought there were moments of characterization that were very witty and funny, and you got a sense of character. I liked, you know, how uh, the story actually kind of brought in all of these, you know, disparate characters. I liked the world. You know, the, the, the world that was created in a way, you know, the world 
where these things could happen seemed kind of legible to me, right? But on the other hand, by my criteria of, you know, what the best of these films do is, I didn't feel there were any ideas going on. You know, when I tried to find, to think about what is the film about, I went, I came up with nothing, you know. Uh, when I came up with a question of movement, of, you know, being, me, sorry, me being moved, I wasn't moved by any of it at all, you know. On the other hand, the audience was engaged with it. They responded yeah. to kind of, you know, what they saw. And my last thing was that I thought kind of visually or in terms of mise-en-scene, there was no poetry and no beauty, right? So, you know, it's a very slick looking film. You can tell that it costs a lot of money. Yeah, but there was no poetry in it. I um. Uh, I I want to mention just briefly that Peter Dinklage was not very good. He's the worst thing about it. Um, I didn't think he was the worst thing about it. Yeah, he's the worst. He's certainly the worst actor in it. I don't think so. Oh, he's fucking ridiculous in it. Oh, please, have you seen Hawkman or whatever he was? And actually, no, he's worse actor than this. You know, in this, I thought he's got a lot less to do, and he just talks in in his normal accent for once. Whereas Peter Dinklage is doing Game of Thrones up to eleven. It's way too much. And um and but what I did like about him is that it's the first time that he's been you know, sort of twenty five foot tall. Yes. They make he's it they the make, tallest man. He's a, <laughs> so he's a dwarf character, he's he's a dwarf. <laughs> but he's but a giant dwarf. He's a giant dwarf. <laughs> it's actually very interesting. It's a funny little thing I like. I that. like that. Um yeah. it feels overall it it feels like a wasted opportunity to talk about the film the way we are doing. Um, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Before we went into the film, we were talking about... We had a long discussion already before we went into the film about about the history of the Avengers films and the, the Marvel series and and the way that, you know... Uh, for instance, what we've talked about with Iron Man being... You know, the film started off with Iron Man being a normal human with technology and those what that's what most of those early films are about and then you've got Thor who was literally a god so this, the stakes have been upped rather and then you've got Doctor Strange comes in a bit later with the ability to just get into different dimensions and, mm. yeah. so like the stakes are up to up to up where you feel like th- these aren't what they were anymore like they felt sort of quote unquote realistic yeah, yeah human right so we were talking about that for instance of all the film but then and we've talked about it now but um, the thing is the way that we talk about these films is only in terms of the internal logic and structure and all this sort of thing we talk about them as fanboys basically yes right um and i feel like you know i think we do the same thing with star wars as well certainly i do we talk about it as fanboys and you you do i certainly do yeah I kind of can't help it and um and i try to talk about it in different ways as well and this is what i'm trying to get at like so one of the, for some reason the film that always comes to mind as like an opposite of this is Call Me By Your Name yeah. it's like it's the anti-superhero film it's just not the same mm. um, and you don't look at when you discuss Call Me By Your Name and, or, or you know any kind of small film really um, what you tend to do is you go the filmmakers have made a decision here what were they trying to, to do with this decision what were they trying to talk about what was the message what, you know how is it effective you never do that with a massive, massive film. What you do with a massive, massive film is you say, no, they got this wrong, or this is silly, or whatever, like, like we've been saying about Thanos. I have a theory about that. Yeah, so, okay. you know, kind of, my theory is that with a film like Call Me By Your Name, 
you think all these brilliantly talented people, the director, the cinematographer, the screenwriters, have got together to express something, you know, mm -hmm. to convey something, to kind of move you in some way. And actually, I do think very distinctly with a film like this, you think, you know, a corporate strategist has figured out a way of developing this asset to bring in X amount of money. That's all, you know, and you're kind of just like a cog in that chain of bringing money to somewhere. I don't, I don't think there's anything further at stake than that. Mm. And it's, it, it, it begins to bother me because you think that was not the case with Wakanda. There was something at stake with the Black Panther, right, for all of its filmmakers, you know, that went beyond making money. Whereas actually, I think there's no point to Avengers Infinity War except to make money. Right, but I... But I think that's slightly tangential to what I'm talking about because um, what I'm talking about is the way that despite the fact that we know that these are huge corporate concerns, we buy into it when we discuss it. We buy into the story and we discuss it as though, you know, it didn't make sense that Doctor Strange went here. It didn't make sense that Thanos did this instead mm. of that. That's how we talk about it. Regardless of the fact that these are huge money-making things, sure. we don't... We, 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 we... You know, whereas with Call Me By Your Name... We don't say it doesn't make sense that so and so. No, some people did say it, things like it doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, like for example, people would say it didn't make sense that I'm calling by your name. Well, the peach thing certainly came up. The but, peach thing came up, but also, you know, that they were so unaware of AIDS and the mm. pandemic, and that it wasn't realistic in that way. I mean, people make all made all kinds of yeah. criticisms about the logic. You know, and actually, people hated some aspects of the film because of that logic. Like, yeah, you I know, agree. Um, it does feel different to me. It is different. Different. We, we don't talk about anything else with Avengers. We try to, but all we can really come up with outside of talking about the plot and characters, all we can all we can come up with is uh, this is huge and destructive and an indictment of modern America, as you keep on saying. Well, um, but you know, to me, kind of um, irrespective of the kind of filmmaking that it is and, and I think you see the reason why I you know I'm a huge comic book fan and part of the reason why I've always defended comic books is because I thought it was a realm of expression in which you know really important ideas were discussed so it was you know it was a realm of thought and feeling yeah in which kind of you know what was at stake was, was you know, what I think all the best films do mm. is meaning and feeling you know, yeah. and, and, and something more abstract than that, which I call beauty, right? That kind of, you know, affects you in some kind of visceral way. I think by all of those criteria, which I think you would definitely demand of a film like this, it fails for me. Mm. Right? I, you know, if it's got ideas, they're beyond me. I don't get them, you know. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't moved. And I wasn't awed. I don't know how to describe it. Like, you know, there are poetic things in films sometimes that just affect you in ways that you don't quite understand, you know, but you, you know you've had an experience and then you try to make sense of it afterwards, right? Yeah. There's nothing like that in this. I don't even think it tried for anything like that. No, I think in a weird way, I mean, it's certainly the case that in any sense like that, this film is a failure. Um, I think that uh, in a weird way, the film is, if it's about anything, it's really about itself. Like it's come to a point with Marvel where people are so uh, aware of the size of this machine, yes, um, and and the idea that like this can't end, so how can it end <laughs> in these in these final films? Um, 
but it's really the only interesting thing to discuss is how it's negotiating its own sort of size. I don't know, though, you know... I, okay, so I don't buy into that, because, first of all, nothing needs to end, right? Like, the thing is, you know, the Marvel uh, Universe has, um, you know, been in existence since the early 60s, at least, right? It never ends, none of the stories ever end. I don't think you need things to be wrapped up uh, neatly or ended. You know, but each of the stories whether it takes place in individual comic books or part of comic books or, you know, through a year or whatever, you know, there is a story that's recounted and, and, and there's a story in which something is at stake and it has a theme and it has conflict and it is about, you know, people and fear and danger and jealousy and love and, you know, kind of, you know, the basic issues that affect people kind of, you know, in every, <laughs> yeah, that affect all people. I, I, I don't know what this was about, except like you, what well, you say, sacrifice. Right, but that, that's what I mean. And so like, I think actually the only way that the film is really interesting is in how it is about itself. So I, I opened up with what I found to be the most interesting thing I could think of, which was how the film feels like more of an ending than I expected. Right. The, 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 the way that um, death kind of pervades the film, even though most of the main characters remain alive by the end, the fact that the villain actually gets his way importantly and does what he what he sets out to achieve and that a lot of okay. people start dying that that feels important because it's 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 important insofar as this is a huge juggernaut of a series appearing to make some sort okay. of statement or but, some sort of change but to me it doesn't because you know marvel marvel's contribution to cinema has <laughs> been that it creates a world and basically every film is just an installment of things that can happen in this world, yeah. right? So it's quite common in comic books, right, to create a cliffhanger in which everyone dies and then you reconstitute the world or, yeah. you know, there's a spell or actually it's taking place in another dimension or whatever, right? So for me, actually, you know, this is just another introducing comic book elements, you know, into cinema. So it doesn't feel like mm. the end of anything. It just feels like... Yeah, yeah, maybe I part mean, of an installment. It, it feel it feels like more of that to me because these films, despite the fact they make so many of them, are enormous. Um, it's not it's not one a week, you know, like a comic book. Issue. Well, but uh, it's but 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 this is also one of the reasons that I never ever got into comics themselves because the the convolution of the storylines and people coming back to life as different versions of themselves and all this sort of thing, and it was so frequent that I I never figured out how to make sense of it. All right. Um, and. If that is the case in the film, like the the film feels more important to me because it hasn't, that hasn't, to me at least, seemed to enter the realm of cinema yet, and so that to me makes it feel like it will be treated with more seriousness in the film series. If it doesn't, and they just do a thing where they go and we can make it up as we go along some more and bring people back or whatever, that will be actually very disappointing to me. Okay. So for me, there is absolutely no question that they will bring people back. The question will be which ones they will bring back. I mean, I think I do think that some will be lost. And how? Right. Um, um, so other. yeah, well, the how is always the key. <laughs> um, so anyway, I um, I was a bit underwhelmed the first time around, and I was just deadly bored the second time around. It was almost like. 
I, I, you know, I was bored to inertia. Like, I wasn't even impatient or angry or whatever. I was just like, I want this to be over. It's like, you know, you enter a zone where you just want it to end, you know. And I must say, the 3D, were, you know, with those glasses was completely ugly, completely dark. It was a diminished experience than watching it, you know, in 2D. Well, I'm going to go and see it again because I'm going to see it with Matt. All right. So uh, I'll, I'll try and make him think 2D. I don't think he'll care that, that much. Yes. If not 2D, then 4DX. Well, it was not 4DX. <laughs> I'd be very curious to know what you make of it in 2D, actually. I think um, aesthetically it will make very little difference. I mean, I, I was... Again, I think the, it makes a big difference. Well, no, I, what I, I mean is... the 3D. No, no, I, I, what I'm, that's what I mean. Like, it, uh, in terms of what 3D brings to it, um, my, my instinct is that not very much. There's a, there's a level of kind of... Uh, the the 3D kind of workflow by this point is so fucking professional in these films. It's just it's unbelievably good to look at in terms of like the, the way that they kind of create these sort of the solidity of these um, images. But as you say, like the the way in which uh, the image is dimmed because of it might outweigh that. And 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 the idea the way in which 3D could be used as a compositional tool. Uh, I don't think has there was any a, impact on this. No, there, there wasn't even there wasn't even any attempt to do anything with no, it. No, not at all. So anyway, final verdict. Yes, uh, I mean you're going to see, it, aren't you? I'm kind of I, as as a sort of you know in that in that fan way. Uh, I think it's there are some interesting aspects of the story which you obviously have take less seriously than I do or, or see less importance in than I do. But but I am interested to see what will happen in the second half. Okay next year yeah well, uh, that, that is intriguing to me what they will do and whether this will become a sort of rabbit's hole of more and more stupid comic book stuff or whether they will do something a little bit more concrete with the story yes I mean I think what I want to say is that I love comic book films mm. you know and I think I've seen all of them so this isn't in any way an indictment of them but actually I think what also got me pissed off and you know I, I kind of I went online you know talking about people as cretins <laughs> is you know I also want want people to understand that there is a you know there is a difference and there are kind of aesthetic criteria about comic book films right like it's not an either or thing but there is a way in which kind of comic book films can be works of art and you know by that criteria this one falls very far short what did you put on twitter i'm looking for you said someone really really liked some tweet that you made I'm finding all the Avengers Infinity worship a form of cretinism. There are good bits and there are fun bits, but if you seriously think this is the best cinema has to offer at the moment, you aren't seeing enough. At best, Avengers Infinity Wars is like one of those big-budget MGM all-star epics, the boomtown of its day, say, and will in all likelihood be remembered in a similar manner. Hmm. So something was, that was very successful, but actually not very much worth thinking about. <laughs> So we probably just spend an hour talking about it. <laughs> Whereas what, what I said on Twitter was they should have called it Avengers Game of Stones <laughs> because of Peter Dinklage. And I Googled it and I Googled it and no one else seems to have made that joke. So I'm claiming that one. <laughs> well, you deserve to claim it. Yeah, because he really was like fucking straight out of Game of Thrones, wasn't he? He was, I'm a blow, make an act for you, my lord. Yes, what he was very much. He was rubbish. Um, I didn't think he was rubbish. I liked it. He and I liked rubbish. the whole conceptualization of the character and there was a wit in making, you know, him a giant. Um, yes. You know, but it, it was one of those things where it's just a joke. And actually, the <laughs> thing is that, you know, cinema, I think, is, is magic and great and art, and it's the best thing there is. 
And, you know, to kind of just offer like a kind of a cheesy joke mm. is to not expect very much of it. Yeah, although actually I, I always forget uh, how funny Marvel films are capable of being. And this one did have a lot of laughs. And surprisingly, so many of them came from the characters I hate the most, which are the Guardians of the Galaxy ones. Ah. A lot of the laughs came from them. Uh, and, yes, they did. Um, but having and said that, Chris I, Hemsworth was great. And he was great. But I, I, having said that, um, I genuinely cheered when Star-Lord crumbled into dust. <laughs> Sick of him. <laughs> Can't stand him. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, do it, hasn't it? thank you all very much. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter and SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, we also very much welcome your response. So kind of please uh, do keep them coming. And kind of we're very happy to answer uh, any questions or queries or altercations that you might wish <laughs> to engage with. <laughs> we're happy to fight. <laughs> so let us know. Yeah. There won't be a part two to this podcast, though. No. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> we think we've, we've done eventually. We've done but, it. you know, but the second one is coming out in a year. See what happens. All right. Well, thank you very much. One of them things. But next time, we, we I, I, over the next few days, I've got to watch uh, 120 BPM because you love it. And um, it's got to be a fucking antidote to this. It is. <laughs> you know, see what you can achieve with two and a half hours of film, you know? Yeah. Two and a half hours? You've seen it twice now. You've watched five it, hours of I've this I've seen film. it three times. No, no, Avengers, I mean. Oh, yes. You've, you've seen five hours of this new Avengers I only film. did this for you, really. Obscene. You, you, did, to be fair, you did say you wanted to go back and see it, I think. I don't think you would have otherwise. I, I think, think you would have you, stayed steadfast. I think you were the main draw, to be honest. If, uh, or to if, see it with me was the main draw. Well, to see it with you and do a podcast... We you would know. have done a podcast anyway. We have seen films separately before. Yes. Um, I think you did want to see it twice, and the second time has reinforced all okay. the negative You know you the got. reason why? It's because... Uh, so, we were meant to meet up to go see 120 Beats for a Minute, and I've been so dizzy recently that I ended up at the wrong cinema, and then actually Mike miscalculated the traffic, so he didn't make it to 120 Beats per Minute anyway. And I was already at the Electric Cinema... And I said, well, what's playing? And they said, Avengers Infinity War is playing. And I thought, you know, since I wouldn't be able to get to the Mac, you know, I just thought I might as well see it. And the fucking electric is the worst place to see a film like Infinity War. I was going to say, it's such a mismatch. It's such a mismatch. It's a small screen, you know, it's not the best place to see these big budget epic films. So part of the reason why I wanted to see it again is because I thought maybe I'm being unjust. Maybe if I saw it in its full glory... You know, in IMAX, at uh, 3D, uh, you know, at Cineworld, it'll change my view of what I saw. And actually, it was the opposite. I kind of, I just, it was like a grin and bear it situation. I just kind of (laughs) waiting for it to end. And then, but then you think of like, you know, the Avengers Infinity War is the last film you want to see at at a cinema like The Electric. On the other hand, you know, what if you played Call Me By Your Name on the IMAX at Cineworld? And then you I'd go, oh no, that would be quite good, wouldn't it? I'd love that. Yeah, I'd love to see, you know, <laughs> Why don't they do that, you I'd know? I'd love to see it on IMAX because you get even more immersed in those, you yeah. know, in those people and those faces and, you know. Because say whatever you like about, you know, the, 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 the 3D um, uh, luminosity, but just a film of that fidelity and size, a screen rather, of that fidelity and size... Um, it's just, that's the way you want to see films, as big yeah. as possible. Absolutely. Projected uh, up the side of, you know, the Sydney Opera House. I, I'd have loved to have seen Call Me By Your Name or, or you know, or 
120 beats per minute on fucking IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Do you remember a few years ago when we went to see Lawrence of Arabia? That was magic. At the giant screen in Birmingham. Yeah. And and that was on proper IMAX, not Limax. Yeah, that was a proper IMAX size screen. Obviously, it wasn't an IMAX film. It was 70 mil. It was 70 mil, But, yeah, yeah, full-size IMAX. And just astonishing. And that was the first time I'd seen it. And, you know, there's no better introduction. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Anyway, anyway, this was not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, cheerio. <laughs> All right. Hello, Mike here. I'm just uh, sat editing the podcast at the minute. I'm listening back to it and I'm thinking, what a fucking idiot I am. And I've got to do a mere culpa just to say... It's so blindingly obvious that they're not going to kill Black Panther and they're not going to kill Spider-Man. And they're not going to kill that strange. I mean, I was, I was even looking... They're making Black Panther 2. They're making Spider-Man 2. They're making something else. Obviously, obviously they're not going to kill these lucrative characters. And Jose's completely right. And I'm a total sucker. And it's just a mark of how ridiculously sort of sucked in I get to these things. I, I have... I've, no way to 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 get out. I, I can't I can't delete it from the podcast because that'll be sort of dishonest and stupid. I've just got to say, if you were sat there thinking this guy's is he's he's a total idiot, then you're absolutely right, and uh, I I apologise. Sorry. Obviously, these characters are all going to come back to life. Obviously. Hmm.